here at Cannes, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue. For people who are interested in our previous shows, you can find our free archives at Spreaker.com, at the Cannes Project podcast on Spreaker.com. Are you an artist or creator with a social conscience? Do you have an inspiring story or material to share that's helpful to people? Are you an expert on culture, arts, nature, or wellness? If this sounds like you or someone you know, we'd love to hear from you at Can Projects, where we advocate that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and environment. Our talk show Can Projects podcast reaches 20 plus online platforms and features insightful, inspiring, and expert guests. You can check out the show on our free archives on Spreaker.com and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel very welcome to email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com. Help each other. Help us all. You're all very welcome to the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness. And I'm your project coordinator and co-host, Shane McKay. And I'm the other project coordinator and co-host, Christopher Sneed. And here at Can, we love to talk about open and inclusive dialogue. We have a great show lined up for you today with Laurie Jones, the Interim Executive Director of ME Action. Yeah, and they've got a great website. They're, they're, they're an organization that do absolutely invaluable work for uh, the MECFS community and we're delighted to have them on and you can find our website at meaction.net I'll just pull it up there for people to see it there um, and it's very comprehensive I was just looking at it there before we came on air and it's really really comprehensive um, and there'll be people who are who will see this show and, and maybe kind of not that familiar with MECFS and that's part of the reason we're, we're, we're doing this because it's, it's, it's a subject that really needs a lot more awareness in the global community and we're, we're starting to see it pick up but it's it's taken it's taken its time oh, yeah I yeah. mean recognition in this country is kind of slow was, was slow coming like you know yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's it, it's only really now that some doctors are even kind of acknowledging it as a real condition. Yeah, long COVID kind of has a lot to do with that. We're going to, probably going to get into that a bit as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into symptoms and stuff, I suppose, during the show. But I'll just, just so you can have a quick look there. I mean, the, I wanted to read, where is it? Just a blurb here on their homepages. Our movement fights for recognition, education and research so that one day all people with ME and CFS will have support and access to compassionate and effective care. And that's just really, it really goes to the heart of it, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. So sure. we, we have Laurie's bio there. I'll just read that out briefly before we invite her in. So Laurie has years of experience working in nonprofits and the arts. Prior to joining... Uh, hashtag ME Action Team. Laurie was the director of Impact for Unrest, uh, using the film to educate and advocate for those in the ME community. She has served as program director at Brave New Films, worked on the Why Poverty film campaign and fundraised 
for United Way of Metropolitan Chicago. She has a BA in Production Studies in Performing Arts from Clemson University and an MA in Applied Human Rights from the University of York. So that's pretty impressive stuff and we're mm. absolutely delighted to invite Laurie on now if I get the right button right here. There we go. Hi Laurie. Hi, thank Hi. you for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to come in and see us. Of course. And uh, I'm sure you, you, you must be uh, up to your eyes getting ready now for Emmy Awareness uh, Week and Month in May. We are. We are so busy right now. Laurie, are you there since nearly the beginning then? Like if you can't, did you come, did you come from like unrest straight to Emmy action? I did. So my, my background is in impact producing and I, I was telling you a little bit before the show that I, I grew up around a lot of uh, autoimmune illnesses in my family, my extended family. And so I knew that world well, my, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse, um, I have a chronic pain condition. I know chronic illness, but I did not know any. And I, when I, I got hired for the film because of my impact background, but I, I applied because all the themes that Jen was talking about in her Ted talk, I was like, Oh my gosh, I know these themes. I know, I know what this, I mean, I know getting dismissed. I know my family members being dismissed and I applied for the, for the job with unrest and I'm so grateful to get it. And then I realized that if I didn't know what Emmy was, someone that had a fairly personal background with chronic illness, that had parents in the medical space, if I didn't know, then most of the world probably didn't know because uh, it wasn't being talked about in bigger spaces. And so I, A, just fell in love with the community. I fell in love with everybody. And I was absolutely devastated that they weren't getting the attention they deserved and the care they deserved. And so I never left. And so luckily after the film was over there, I was able to, um, to work as the managing director at Emmy action. Um, and while Jen was the executive director and we worked hand in hand and I, yeah, it's, it's become a second home. I, I can't imagine my life trajectory if I just went to work for another film uh, and I absolutely thought that's what I was going to do. I had no idea I was just going to to stay in the action, but we have a lot of work to do, and I don't intend to leave until we we, we do it. Mm, that's great. And if, if people would like to check out uh, Unrest, Laurie, where would be the best place for them to go and do that? I was trying to think about Ireland and the UK. I think that it's on Netflix most places still, okay, and okay. you can order it on Amazon. And... Um, Emmy Action, if you, uh, Unrest has given Emmy Action a community screening license. So if folks ever want to uh, do a virtual community screening, you can contact Emmy Action and we can arrange that so that if you want to show it to your family members, uh, a lot of times Unrest is a really good way for people who don't know what Emmy is or, or they're not getting full recognition from their family to show them the film. Mm -hmm. It's a good way in. So we can help you arrange that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of setting off a few cogs in my head here now, Shane. <laughs> no, but that's great, and you bring you just that what you mentioned there. That, that that's something uh, that we unfortunately we do see uh, is quite common for some patients. That um, it, it, it's hard. Not only is it hard to get recognition from doctors and the medical community, but sometimes from families or friends and things. And 
Um, it can be, it's really harrowing actually to see when somebody's already kind of, kind of dealing with a big change in their life, that their family are, are kind of having a hard time to come to grips with it. And, are, you know, it's that, oh, would you just pull yourself together, go for a run or this kind exactly. of thing. And that's, that, they're, they're, that, that's, that's for me is like one of the really big parts of the mission as far as raising awareness with ME is to kind of, I mean, like we got to remember as well, there was a time when like things like, uh, 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 what's that one? Uh, epilepsy wasn't understood, you know? Yeah wasn't so, recognized as well like yeah they thought it was psychosomatic just like i mean just like people thought me was people thought ms was psychosomatic until the um the brain scans showed yeah. and yeah. so i mean again sure. yeah science is going to laugh in the face of all of this um later down the road but in but in the meantime people are really suffering and they mm. suffer when their families don't acknowledge what like, they're going through like I have a condition that's not actually recognized really in a lot of places myself. And uh, it's a bit of hardship really like, you know, it is, it's a hardship. And, I'm sorry to hear that too. Yeah. It, it is. Um, it really is. Hmm. And so, co yeah, coping with that, you know, it, it, on one hand, it's like people are exhausted with the idea that we just need recognition because recognition in and of itself isn't enough, but it does start with recognition. Hmm. So belief, acknowledgement, recognition, but of course, we need that urgent other pieces at the exact same time. So, I mean, because you need that immediate government response, you need that research funding, you need treatment options. Uh, any, you know, the idea that you know you went to the doctor and they were able to say, "Well, we're going to help you manage your your symptoms," is amazing. Uh, and but we need so much more of that. We need access to clinical care where people know know how to respond. And especially yeah. encouraging people how to pace. It's quite urgent, actually. And like, especially like with the long COVID thing, like uh, <clears throat> that was on my radar, like really early, like that. It, 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 there were one or two mentions of it in the news that like, okay, look, things are, you know, we got to deal with this pandemic, but chances are when we come out of the pandemic, there's going to be an absolute explosion of post-viral illness and, um, you know, and they're, they're kind of like dancing around the terminology a little bit, but it is kind of, it seems like it's starting to kind of, like, one thing I know is the, 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 the issue of funding, like, I know that's been, like, especially through the pandemic, there's there are groups have been trying to work out how do we, how do we do this? You know, how do we, how do we, how do we further the mission? And like, how do we, how do we raise funds and stuff? And I did see a large sum there, um, uh, so I should have. I should have actually kept it for the notes, um, but I don't know, Laurie. Are you saying much? Are you starting to see like m much more um, interest as far as like you know r resources for the medical community um, as far as funding and things like that? Yes and no. So um, so yes in that there is definitely long COVID funding happening, and that's a very good thing. Um, and pri private funding. So I don't know if you know the Open Medicine Foundation. You might know Open Medicine Foundation, but they're a great organization. That um, might be the that might be the one I actually saw. Actually, um, they are wonderful, and, and they're they're looking in connection between long COVID and ME, and uh, and we we always love uh, partnering with them, amplifying their work. Um, the other. There are other medical education initiatives happening, and there's a lot of work to advocate with 
the government to make sure that some, that some of that long COVID research funding includes people with ME. And also from the clinical perspective, there are long COVID clinics um, being set up all over. So I know our I know our UK volunteers have talked about the long COVID clinics in the UK. And um, a lot of the patient community is really trying to rapidly educate the long COVID clinics on their experience to the, the, the hmm. ME experience so that they understand uh, treatment options and outcomes. Hmm. And um, you use uh, community-based research. So you probably have a massive info dump for those sorts of things like... Um, you know, we have one, we have not done a lot of research. I'll say this. So our very first research project is uh, this uh, chronic illness symptom survey and where we are collecting information yeah. across different chronic illnesses. So ME specifically, but long COVID and other comorbid conditions, because as you know, a lot of people with ME also have other comorbid mm-hmm. conditions. A lot of times people have POTS or another dysautonomia. Or fibromyalgia or, yeah. There's an overlap and, yeah. and we don't know why, but in fact, you know, getting more data means that it'll, it'll help us understand those connections a little bit better, sort of going back to that big, big <laughs> millions missing theme as well. And so um, because we are set up as such a wide uh, community, because we have so many people in our Facebook groups, on our email list, in our in our network that is constantly talking to us. We felt like we were able to do some community-based research where we were able to do surveys of folks. And it's been great the amount of people we've had participate in that study. And it's still ongoing. So um, we're just launching the third part of the survey, but you can start at the beginning even now. So anybody can get involved. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, so we, uh, you, you mentioned some of the stuff that's coming up in May, but like, what kind of like say between now and the end of next year? Is there like, are you do you, do you take on volunteer? You do take on volunteers and things like that, do you? We do, and um, actually, this is the, the perfect segue to something I'm incredibly excited about. So we got a we got a great grant to uh, from the Ford Foundation to increase our volunteer capacity. And so we've, it's been so busy during the pandemic, trying to make sure that we make sure that, that Emmy is featured in the press, that we have clinical education seminars, that we work with the long COVID community. So, so many pieces that we have not done the, the training that we would have loved to had provided for volunteers. And now we have the opportunity to do that. So we're bringing two really cool activists, educators, trainers on board to help train new volunteers and make sure that they are in a uh, in a role that they want to be in, that suits their skills, that they're motivated to do to to help with the cause. And so it's um, just so exciting because it means that so many more people can get involved and they'll be. Um, they'll be nurtured in a way so that they can they can do what they want to do and they can be a part of the movement in the way that they want to be. And um, so I'm just so excited for the fact that we're going to be able to increase the amount of volunteers that, that and, we can serve. And that sounds like a really, really good way to, to deal with people because there's so many people don't get put in the role that suits them. Yes. You know, oh, absolutely. And, and when you're so busy, when everyone's so busy, it's like, you know, there's so much work to be done. And everyone's just scrambling. But if you can really 
um, going back to this talent that we were talking about earlier, this you know extreme talent that I see every day, mm. it, you, you want people to feel passionate and to let their skills shine. So, because this is a cause so we all believe in. And so putting people in the places that are going to serve them best is, is going to be the best way to, to reach our goals. And I know like personally as a patient, I know like the, the importance of that, of actually feeling that there's something you can contribute to is huge. It's really, really big, you know, and I think it, for me, it was probably some of the, the best things I could have done for myself was to find like you're saying the right what's the right thing for me to do you know because uh, there's the things i'd like to do but what's actually really what would be appropriate um so that's actually great to hear there's going to be a whole actual system to um to deal with that it's so exciting and um we're hoping to launch um officially we'll be building up but in September, after our big protest, we will be launching a website so that it's really easy for people to, we'll be a page on our website for people mm -hmm. to be able to fill out forms and uh, click on videos and make sure that it's, you figure out what area of work really, really speaks to them the most. And, you know, so, it's like our governments could really, really learn a lot from that as well, actually, you know, as far as, you know, people are useful. So like, you know, um, and it, 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 that occurred to me as well, actually, just uh, with the medical kids, it's, it's kind of, it's ironic, you know, like that, you know, just having been kind of gaslit or whatever for so many years. And now, like it turns out, well, actually, we have a lot to offer, actually, <laughs> and you kind of need us now. <laughs> so they can't really ignore it at all anymore. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because... It for me, it, it, I, I'm not sure. I don't. I wouldn't know the ins and outs in the states and things like that. I have a rough idea, but I know in Ireland anyway. For a long time before the pandemic, the public health service was really hanging on by an absolute tread, and um, all it was going to take was something like a global pandemic to just like throw a, throw a total spanner in the works. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Uh, and, um, but I think the, the subject of ME and how... The story of ME and the medical community, there's a lot to be learned there and a lot of very, yes. very important things because it just highlights where are the actual, where are, the, where are people falling through the cracks? Exactly. I mean, and that is true. You know, our healthcare systems are, are so different and there are cracks both places and there are different problems yeah. uh, each places. Um, and it's, it's been interesting to see some of that. Uh, as, as I've been working in the UK, learning from some more people in Canada, and then of course the United States. Um, and I will say the thing that I have learned a lot over the past uh, two years, can you believe we've been in this for two years? Um, uh, is the, there are so many clinicians that absolutely want to do the right thing. They just don't know the right thing and they don't have the access and they don't have the tools. Uh, Pre-pandemic, one of our board members, uh, Ryan Pryor, who who is uh, writing a book uh, about uh, long COVID, he was telling me that six percent of medical schools in the states 
taught ME CFS before the pandemic. 6%. Uh, so nobody. I mean, it's so rare that you would have encountered that type of education. So you have well-meaning, thoughtful, smart doctors that don't know how to help you. And so part of our job is helping doctors get the information they need so that they can be most effective because, and there's so much pressure because I, again, I don't, I don't know how it is in Ireland, but doctors that face are often pressured to see you in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you have to come in, you get very little time. You have a 15 minute workup and they have to diagnose you and leave. Well, how are they going to do that with something as complicated? Exactly. And plus, if you're kind of having a bit like a bit of, a bit of brain fog or something like that, like it, like when I go into these consultations and stuff, I have to have a notes with me, you know, yes. and they don't always like that. But I'll tell you one thing, the difference now when I'm going for a consultation compared to before the pandemic, they are writing down everything I say now. I love it. Yeah. Hearing. Yeah. Why do you why do you, what do you think the difference is? I think just they've realized, you know, oh, oh actually, maybe there's something to this. And then just with the, in the backdrop of long COVID and everything, you know, they won't come out and, and, and kind of say, oh, yeah, isn't that that kind of sounds a little bit like long COVID or whatever. And um, I mean, there's things with long COVID that are obviously, I mean, I know some people at ME get chest problems, like the chest thing is something that like with long COVID is, is like, you know. It's part and parcel. Yeah, you know, but yeah. maybe not uncommon, but less common than ME. But there's so much of the stuff that's like they have in common. And one thing for me, I noticed and kind of early on, I was kind of, I kind of started to think myself before anyone was saying anything was like, there, there were two things was the, I felt like as if my immune system was kind of almost over, over, overactive, which that's kind of what they're saying. And then, yeah. uh, uh, inflammation was another like key thing in the whole thing where I was I used to confuse me I was like why is like one day this arm is sore and then it feels like it's moving up my back and then it's gone and it, it, it just it was kind of like very kind of scary to be honest as well like when when when, when you, you know this is happening to you and you're afraid if you tell your doctor they're gonna look at you like uh, you know and like just really well, there question ha there, ha there has been a lot of people who've been told that like you know they're being hypochondriacs or, yeah. you know, yeah, and in some cases that has been referred to mental health services as opposed to treated. <laughs> yeah. It's an absolute yeah. travesty. Like it is a travesty and, and all the way around, you know, it, the mental health piece is such a personal, uh, uh, passion is the wrong word, but I am so passionate about the mental health piece mm. because, uh, I hate the idea that there's so much stigma where people are misdiagnosed they're misdiagnosed with a mental health uh, condition and then referred to mental health. And so then when people really, people with ME or people with other complex chronic conditions do have mental health concerns, they are too afraid yeah. to say anything because they're going to be misdiagnosed again. And so then it's a, it's a double problem. It's this misdiagnosis at the top, but then there's an un, a, under service for people that really do need access to care. It's like, Mental health is, is, it's real. If you have a mental health condition, it's a very real condition. It's just not, it's not what ME is. And so that makes it such a problem. So I, I see it a lot because I, and I understand why, because it's so stigmatized and people don't want to be misdiagnosed, but I worry that people aren't getting the access that they need. If they are depressed on top of their ME, then they, you know, they deserve that access as well. So it's, it's, it's a really tricky 
awful thing um, that this misdiagnosis happens because it it trickles down to be a, a much bigger problem. Yeah, well, it's just it's it's kind of like it distracts from like the like where you need to focus on as far as your your you know your healing or or your therapy or whatever. And um, yeah. you're right. Like I mean, I, like we we talk about mental health and wellness, and we really like we we like the idea of holistic health and a, hil- a holistic approach to our environment and our and our well being. And um, we talk about it a lot on here. Um, but yeah, d- 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 uh, what was I going to say now? I got a bit of brain fog there. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought there now. No worries. I got us off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, no. That's good. Like, this is, tangents here. Yeah, yeah, we do. But no, it's an, it's an important thing. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've said it before on here. You know, it's like, you know, like not being able to do things you'd like to do or being in chronic pain or having to get a lot of bed rest and things like that, it does bring you down. It doesn't It doesn't necessarily mean you might like have clinical depression, but you, you may be depressed. So it is, it's very confusing because, you know, like if you're misdiagnosed, how, where do you even start? Like, and people just, you know. And there's the whole brain body connection involved there as well, because if it's making you depressed, the depression can actually make your symptoms worse. Yeah. It can, yeah. I mean, yeah. mental yeah. health can exacerbate your symptoms, which is, uh, you know, which is complicated, and it will present in a complicated way. Um, but if you're to your point earlier, Chris, of if the diagnosis is right at the beginning, if um, because again, it's like it's just like if you come in with a broken arm and someone says, "Oh, we're going to put a cast on your leg," well, that's not going to help my arm. So, <laughs> And it is as simple as that. It like it's just incorrect. And so, um, it, but it, it really bumps me out because also you can, I mean, 25% of the general population has uh, some type of mental health issue. And so that's, there's going to be some overlap. So the idea that, I mean, I just want doctors to also acknowledge there can think, you know, this is not mutually ex- exclusive. Hmm. You can have two things, you know, you can have your arm and your leg can be broken. Uh, you know, and so it's a, but it is such a fine line and it's so difficult to navigate when you're being misdiagnosed and gas, like you were saying before, yeah. um, that the gaslighting of, uh, you know, we've had, I've heard so many horror stories of, um, oh, have you tried to go for a little walk have you you know the uh yeah and it's i hear it's i hear i hear it so often you know where it's like and i feel it myself sometimes to be honest as well um where patients kind of feel and i I don't i don't you know i don't blame anybody for this really you know but that sometimes i feel like it's being put back on me that it's like Mm. well it's your fault you're sick like you know and that's i hear that from so many patients you know and it's very, very sad, actually. You know that for, for, for when somebody's suffering like that, and and they're trying to work it all out to just to have that on top of it as well. It's like it is incredibly complicated. And you know, for people out there who who are maybe hearing about this stuff for the first time, you know, take it on board. And um, I think it's worth pointing out as well. You know that there's lots of disabilities out there, and most of them are not visible. You no. don't always know somebody. So I think the rule of thumb is, do you know what? Just be nice to each other anyway, <laughs> you know, yes, just look out for each other. Yes, believe people when they say they're experiencing symptoms and yeah, absolutely um, show that kindness to each other. And the blame, the blame issue is a real problem. Yeah. And, um, you know, someone was, uh, I've heard so many different arguments uh, for this and I do think it's right where it's like, we don't have the answers to something. It's 
for human beings, it's so scary for us because we think, oh, well, it could happen. If it's not their fault, then it could happen to anybody. It could happen to me. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such a sad, um, it's just it's such a sad reason. Mm-hmm. But of course, the idea that it's it's your fault is ridiculous. Uh, and, and we just can't do that to each other for anything. It's for, for any chronic condition. It is it, it's it's no one's fault. And that's another thing to take away. Like if for people that are are just hearing about this for the first time or they felt blamed for something that they've experienced physically, it's it, it is it is not your doing. Like uh and w- there's so many mysteries about what's happening to the body uh when it comes to ME. And it's uh that that mystery doesn't have to mean that like, just because we don't have answers now doesn't mean that we won't have them later. And it, it you know, most certainly isn't your fault. Hmm. Yeah. That's it. You know, and I mean, even biology is an ever evolving science, like, you know, because yeah. they're constantly discovering new things constantly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Constantly, constantly. So, hmm. I mean, I would love to hear, I mean, I would love, uh, to hear from both of you. I don't know if you have things that you're hopeful for coming out of with long COVID within me with the pandemic. I would love to know yeah. what, what you two are hopeful for. Yeah. Do you want to start Chris? Okay. Well, paper, scissors, rock for it. Will we? Okay. Nice. Okay. Any one, one two, two, three. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right, you go first or I'll go first. Okay. Which one? okay, okay. I'm hopeful that there'll be a lot of lessons learned from COVID. That people will, like, you know, before COVID, very few people would look each other in the eyes when they're walking past each other and just nod and smile. And people have started doing that again. Like, that's something that we've lost and has been gone for a good long time in our kind of, in Ireland, you know, specifically from my experience. And people are just treating treating each other with a little bit more decency, and I hope that lasts. You know, I hope they don't for, like don't stop being appreciative of the fact that they can actually look each other in the eyes again. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah stepped on Shane's toes. Is <laughs> that your answer? Did you write that down? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I, I could just see the eyes twitching there, going, kind of going, all oh, right, I have to come up with something now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think for me, Laurie, um, probably similar to what Chris is saying there, like I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged to see a sense of community coming back, you know, and um, I'm really, that's why I'm thrilled to see like the work that ME M- Action is doing is that ultimately it is, it's actually kind of building a community of people who are, empathetic to each other and trying to lift each other up and lean on each other and i hope i think covid has kind of amplified that a bit but i'm also quite aware that there's also a lot of healing that has to take place there's been a lot of trauma and stuff like that so my hope is that you know that we did that we come out as a society with a bit more empathy and and and, and supporting each other more because we really need to do that now you know and and especially for the people who are vulnerable and are are, re, have, are really marginalized right now we need to go to those people and ask them hey are you okay and maybe ask ourselves as well am i okay you know and so that i think that's my my covid wish my post pandemic wish is that we can we can we can kind of continue with this, this 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 kind of caring and become a more caring society i love that i love that well i'm going to take that as my pandemic wish too because i think that's <laughs> uh, i think that's 100 percent right uh, i 
And I just hope there's a, there's more converts out there that are dedicated mm-hmm. to making sure that that happens so that if society begins to slip, that there's enough people that are ready to say, no, we've, we found a more accessible way and a more inclusive way. And we're, that's what we're sticking to. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. And so it, it, this, the, this has absolutely flown in, Laurie. We're, we're coming close to the, the hour mm-hmm. mark. But is there anything you kind of, you'd like to leave us with or get into? Or um, I suppose we can let people mention again that the, the website is meaction.net. And if, if people can reach you through there, Laurie, if they need. They absolutely can. And they can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at meaction.net. And it'll be forwarded to the right person for your question. And, and when that new website comes online, you should send us the links to it and all so that we can or even pop on for another chat. Like, Yeah, yeah. listen, you'd be... You'd be more than welcome to come back anytime. You'd feel very welcome to give us a show anytime. And um, there'll be links in the description and all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll try and we'll, we'll stick in the link to the website and see if we can find one or two other little, little bits and pieces. But uh, any final thoughts, Laurie? Yeah, just a very final thoughts. If anyone is experiencing long COVID or ME, um, I want everyone to know that we have resources on the site. We have a pacing guide to help you know how to pace and you can bring it to your doctor. We also have a hospital toolkit mm. so that if you have either of these conditions, you can fill out a um, piece of paper before you go to the hospital or doctor so that you have what you need ahead of time so i just want to make sure that people know that we have those sort of urgent key resources and if you want to get involved in our community we have a lot of of spaces to do that we're going to have like we said even more volunteer capacity coming up but there are so many support groups and and places to get involved Mm. just just that we'd love to have you yeah we love the grassroots approach here we just like that's the best way to move society forward is from you know people on the street kind of you know, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I absolutely have learned so much from the community and I defer to people within me uh, every single day of my work mm. that it would not make sense for me to do otherwise. So yeah, it is about the people who, who are experiencing this. That's that who that's who it's about. That's who we're fighting for and with. Okay, Laurie Jones, listen, thank you so much. And uh, on a personal level as well, thanks so much for everything you're doing for the community. And it's an absolute inspiration. And I'm really encouraged to see that things are are continuing to go in a very, very positive direction. So thank you so much. Thank you both. And thanks for such a lovely show. And yeah, for creating. Sure. You're welcome. We, we loved having you. you know? You're more than welcome. Okay, Laurie, listen, thanks so much. And yeah, give us a shout anytime, okay? Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. And the Can Project's email is canprojects.info@gmail.com, and you'll find a link to the Can Project's website in the description. All the best.
projects, Culture, Arts, Nature and Wellness is an outreach project advocating that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and our environment. If you'd like to contact CAN Projects, you can email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com and the link to our website is in the description. Here at Cannes, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue and sometimes a bit of literature as well. So Chris, we're going to, we're, we're opening up a new chapter in the readings, the classic stories for Chris Needs. Yeah, we're going to be starting on The Time Machine, which is a classic, classic H.G. Wells novel. It's a classic for a reason as well, because it's really, really good. I love it. It's been made into a film a few times and uh, sometimes musicals, audio dramas. Chris Need, Classic Readings.